Hey, happy hump day, Met fans. How are we all doing? Gotta be feeling pretty good after last night, no? I know it's hot and humid and everything in the east, but when the Mets win like that, there's nothing cooler, is there? What a game. Another game that typifies the Mets' 2021 season, wouldn't you say? They did it again. They came back. They never quit. And they won a close one. It's been an amazing year. Uh, the Mets aren't really the, have been the most powerful team in baseball, but they're the ones who have taken advantage of the opportunities. The ones who have stepped up to the plate and taken over for others. And last night was no exception. Now, the Mets at times have like fallen behind in games, and that's not a good thing. And in the long run, it's going to cost you. But these late game comebacks are a result of that. So you can thank the Mets for falling behind for us experiencing all this drama and uh, giving us the opportunity to yell out in exuberance when they finally do pull it off. Now you can call it resiliency or maybe just the facing underwhelming bullpen. Seems like everybody has bullpen problems. And I think that's basically a case of teams in baseball just don't have enough pitching anymore. There's too many teams and too many pitchers are being used. So, I don't know what's going to be happening. The starters just don't go to distance anymore, but I'm not complaining as long as the Mets keep on winning and beating these bullpens. And it worked out last night. Uh, <clears throat> the big bucks that were paid last offseason paid off well yesterday. James McCann and Francisco Lindor tag team to drive in all the runs in the breakout seventh inning. And that led to a 4-3 victory over the Braves at Truist Park. Now, the Mets snapped the two-game skid and remained three games ahead of the Nationals in the NL East. And the Braves, who have won three straight division titles, are now five and a half games out. So it was a big win. We had to keep pace with the Nationals. We would have lost. We would have been only two ahead of the Nationals. And it's always good to keep the Braves that day. And uh, this could be one of those games, like, later on in the season, when you look back and say, hey, this was a turning point. Uh, there are good turning points and bad turning points, but this was definitely a good one. So to have a rally like that in the seventh inning, hopefully you can jumpstart the Mets and uh, carry them onto a successful streak into the postseason, uh, postseason all-star break, I should say. Got tough competition ahead, the Braves, and we got the Yankees this weekend. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, Brewers next weekend at, next week at home. So it's going to be uh, interesting uh, next week or so. And you know what the funny thing was? Francisco Lindor, he looked pretty bad at the plate his first two at-bats. He struck out against Charlie Morton, but he put the Mets ahead with an RBI single in seven against A.J. Minter, following Jose Peraza's pinch hit double. Now McCann took a desperate situation earlier and turned into something much more pleasant for the team when he offered a three-run homer that tied at 3-3 and ended Morton's scoreless streak at 20 innings. Yes, Morton was in fuego. Dominic Smith singled off the inning for the Mets' fifth hit, and Kevin Poir walked to give the Mets their first rally. McCann jumped on a 1-2 cutter and just cleared the fence in left center for his seventh homer of the season. And it was so nice seeing that ball go over the wall. Uh... It's amazing. You don't know what part of the lineup's going to produce for this team. Could be the top of the lineup, could be the bottom of the lineup. But it does seem like this team does believe in each other, and it always seems like somebody's getting the job done, especially when they have their backs to the wall and need a victory. Uh, 
And it's funny because the Mets just don't hit in the early innings. That's been their worst time of futility this season. Over the past six games, they only scored once before the seventh inning. That came on Saturday when they scored a run the second inning against the Phillies. So maybe someone needs to spike their coffee a little bit before the game and get them going, get the mojo going. Now with the key relievers rested, the Mets were in a position to preserve the lead. Trevor May, Seth Lugo, and Edwin Diaz each worked a scoreless inning after Drew Smith had pitched a shutout six to keep the Braves at three lead at 3 nothing. Diaz's save was his 17th and 18th chances this season. Uh, Adrianza nearly took Diaz out of the yard to begin the inning, but his shot to right field was ruled just outside the foul pole. Adrianza, Pablo Sandoval, and Randall Cunha Jr. were retired in order. Tyler McGill, how about him? Making his second major league start, he faced the Braves last week, and he allowed three earned runs on five hits and two walks and eight strikeouts over five innings. He took, out a, sh- a, took a shutout into the fifth, but then he got hit hard. Uh, the third time through the batting order has become McGill's undoing. After retiring the number eight and nine hitters to begin the fifth, Acuna, Freddie Freeman delivered consecutive singles, and then Ozzy Albies hit a shot. And that three-run homer put the Mets in a three-nothing hole. Uh, and you got to give him credit because the Braves have a lot of good hitters, and uh, they may not be having the years that they we expect them to, but for McGill to hang in there like that, he really did set the tone against them. And uh, hand it to the bullpen, and kudos to the bullpen. They did the rest. Now, McGill escaped trouble in the second when the Braves received a leadoff single from Austin Riley and Guillermo Mojarria walked with one out. McGill retired Abraham Amante before Smith's diving catch on William Contreras' single line drive ended the inning. And uh, McGill basically... Let the defense play, and he did a good job. Uh, hopefully he can keep it going. Just needs that confidence, and looks like he's calm, cool, and collected, and confident. And what I didn't get was the Mets gave Francisco Lindor a vote of confidence before the game. The guy's making $341 million. If his paycheck isn't enough of a confidence boost, I don't know what it is. Uh, but I guess they're seeing that the results haven't been there. But I think they're seeing that he has, has the potential to be breaking out very soon. Uh, he's starting to hit the ball better, and that's positive. And it looks like he's taking better quality swings. But entering last night's game, he was again in another funk. Two for 19, 105 since the first game of Friday's doubleheader against the Phillies. Uh, he went one for three yesterday with his seventh inning single, provided the go-ahead run. You can't complain when you hit the, get the game-winning RBI. His batting average, and this is the sad part, has peaked at 222 on two occasions this month, but the hot streak the Mets have expected hasn't arrived from Francisco. He really does need to start showing some consistency, I think. Uh, we need results from him. I'll be honest with you, we can keep struggling and stay on top of the division lead here, but if he's not going to play like Francisco Lindor in the second half of the season, we may have problems. Sooner or later, the law of averages catches up to you. Now, Jared Eikhoff was designated for assignment a day after he allowed five earned runs, including four homers over six innings and a loss to the Nationals. The veteran right-hander pitched with a 4.50 ERA and two starts for the Mets. Thomas Zabuki was recalled from AAA Syracuse to give the Mets a fresh arm who could pitch in long relief and need it. Now, if you listen to these podcasts, I've been praising Zabuki. I think it's time. We're going to have to find out what he's got. Now, he's pitched to a 4.41 ERA in eight appearances for Syracuse, but this kid has a live arm. I hope I'm right. 
and followers of here can say I'm right probably 75% of the time when I project a player, so hopefully I'm right this time. Now, Familia, Jerry's Familia, pitched a scoreless inning in a minor league rehab game at Syracuse on Tuesday. Uh, Brandon Nimmo and Thomas Nito were in the lineup for the same game. You never know who's going to play when you go to a Syracuse game, do you? Nimmo was 0 for 4 with a walk, and Nito went 1 for 4. Uh, J.D. Davis expected to join the Syracuse lineup on Wednesday, and Jonathan Villar the following day. Familia, who is eligible to come off the injury list Thursday, might be the first to return. Rojas has indicated Nimmo is expected back for the weekend series against the Yankees. Now, the Mets had com- committed five errors in their previous two games. Not what they've done in the past, and that's what's been getting the job done. I know we're not hitting, but the pitching, and more importantly, the defense, has really risen to the occasion. And when you don't play defense, that's going to cost you extra outs and extra pitches. And uh, it puts a strain on the pitchers, too, especially when all these pitchers have pitch counts. That means they're going to throw even more pitches in tougher situations. So we need that defense to come back, and hopefully this was just a temporary whip. What do you guys think? And then the other thing about the Mets is, let's face it, they're given a lot of opportunities here. Uh, And they need to take advantage of the fact that the NL East just isn't what it appears to be. They can't let the season slip away. Like The opportunity is there. We've been in first place now for almost two months. And the opportunity is there. we got to make sure it happens. Uh, like I said, the big money and the big bats are going to have to start doing it. Starting with Francisco Lindor. And I don't mean to be hard on him, but he is basically the... F- future. He's there, our Tatis. He's our Acuna Jr. And when you can't hit basically 200, it's going to hurt us. Uh, we can keep winning the small games, winning by one run, but eventually you all know that catches up to us. Uh, you know, the groundwork is there. In 2015, we had Harvey, DeGrom, Wheeler, Mats, and we thought this was going to last forever. But it doesn't sometimes, and more often than not, it doesn't. There's only one position player left from that 2015 World Series, Michael Conforto. So it's showing you that nothing's guaranteed in baseball. So they need to take advantage of this. And you don't want to be wasting the efforts of what Jake DeGrom's been doing. You want him to have a winning season and make the playoffs and see what he can do again in the postseason. It's prime time for Jake. And it could be prime time for the Mets as a franchise. Uh, they've definitely endured their share of injuries, but let's face it, their two most dangerous hitter, Lindor and Alonso, uh, really haven't done what they're supposed to do, and that's just be dangerous bats in the lineup. I don't know if Alonso, I don't, I don't want to say he's letting things get to his head, is like you know being the big guy on campus thing. Sometimes I think he's more involved in shtick than he should be. But he puts his mind to it. He can do it. I think he's sometimes worried about being the face of the Mets, you know, the media and everything like that. But we'll see what happens. I don't want to pass judgment on Alonzo. Technically, last year was his second year. But I consider this year his second year. So hopefully after a half season last year, half season this year, he can be the old Alonzo again. And just friggin' drive the ball like you cannot believe. So the Mets... With their big comeback yesterday, and Conforto and Neil back, and then Nimmo and Davis on the way, they can control the NL East, but they just got a hit. And that's where Lindor and Alonso have to lead the way. Like I said, the division is there for the taking. 
And we think once again, I know the Seven Line had this Take Back New York t-shirt and, you know, in-your-face type of thing and just play the games or whatever. But the reality is the Mets can take back New York by doing the right thing. The Yankees are vulnerable and the Mets could be the face of New York baseball again. Great opportunities ahead. And by golly, we need, we need to take advantage of it. And I hope they do. And I'm kind of glad that Jake... Grom will skip the MLB All-Star game. Because knowing him and the competitor he is, he's going to be throwing 100 miles an hour against these American League bats if he was putting the game on rest and everything. We need every inning we can get from him. Not to be selfish, but I'm, to, I'm glad that Grom's not going to be going to the All-Star game because it looks like he's going to be pitching next Tuesday and then on Sunday against the finale before the All-Star break. So I'm all for that. Uh... And pitching in Colorado is no fun. <laughs> Not only do you pitch in the altitude, you have to, you have, I think pitchers have to pitch a little bit differently uh, when they're in Colorado. So you don't want to mess anything with Jake's mechanics. Uh, so it's nice if he gets picked, but he must politely decline. Uh, the goal for DeGrom has to be to win with the Mets. And we've had the best pitcher in baseball this year. And he deserves to be in the All-Star game. But I don't think for his health he should pitch in the All-Star game. He's a 0.69 ERA and a 0.526 whip in 13 starts. You can't get any better than that. Uh, but a big game tonight. We'll see how Jake does tonight against the Bravos. It's going to be fun. Uh, we got Walker. We got Stroman. And uh, maybe they can get some of the All-Star recognition. What do you say? Maybe we just need to let Jake rest. Uh, like I said, he's going Thursday against the Braves. Uh, tonight we got David Peterson going against Max Freed. Uh, Peterson's 2-5 with a 4.95 ERA. Freed is 4-4 four four with a 4.21 ERA. Uh, should be a fun game. And let's hope we can pull it out. Now we come back, we're going to do our usual fun stuff. We got a game from the past picked out for baseball trivia and Jeopardy. All that fun stuff. What we're talking about in the group. Does it get any better than this? I don't think so. And just to prove my point, stay tuned. After this break, you'll hear all about it. Okay, here's today's final Met Jeopardy. Became a coach and instructor in New York Mets organization for over two decades, serving as a minor league instructor from 88 to 96, 2000, 2003, 2008, and 2011. And was the club's major league bullpen coach from 97 99, 01 02, and 09 010. To 2010, I should say. Now, he made his Mets debut in losses in his first two appearances April 12th and 14th, 1986. The inauspicious start was followed by 13 and a third scoreless innings that included his first major league win in four years. Lock in your answers. Now, Today's Met Trivia question of the day. Who's ready? It's courtesy of our good friend Harvey Porras. He asked, in 1962 and 63, the Mets had historically bad seasons, losing 120 and 111 games respectively. They only had one pitcher each year who had a winning record. It was the same guy in both years. Who was he? Lock in your answers for the trivia question, and we'll be back at the end of the podcast to reveal what the correct answers are. 
All right, Mets fans, it's time to celebrate some birthdays. Who's ready? Put on that birthday hat. The first birthday we're going to celebrate today is Rocky Ron Swoboda, a Met favorite, a Met legend. Fans love him. In his career, he wore number 14 and number 4, and he played with us from 1965 to 1970. A fan favorite, like I said. Remember the moments when he hit two two-run homers against Steve Carlton when he struck out, Carlton struck out 19 Mets, but the Mets won because of Rocky Ron. And how about that, that World Series catch in 69? Maybe the greatest World Series catch of all time. Rocky Ron played us for six years. Played in 737 games. 69 homers, 304 RBIs with a 242 batting average. Finally traded by the Mets to Montreal Expos with Rich Hacker in exchange for Don Hahn in 1971. He did lead the Mets in home runs with 19 and 65. RBIs with 59 and 68. Walks with 52 and 68. And like I said, Ron was a fan favorite. Happy birthday, Ron. Happy, happy birthday. Turning 77 today. Also celebrating a birthday, Tony Fernandez. War number one with the Mets. He was with us in 1993, played 48 games, at a 225. Very good shortstop throughout his career. Started with the Blue Jays in 83, and then he ended his career with the Blue Jays in 2001. So in between a lot of stops, he did play for the Mets for a year. Uh, <clears throat> we got him <clears throat> from the Padres and games for Wally Whitehurst, DJ Dozier, and Raul Casanova. But he never really did pan out for the Mets, but happy birthday, Tony. Guess how old Tony is today. Tony is 59 today. Happy birthday, Tony. Then happy birthday to Chan Ho Park. Wore an unusual number with the Mets, number 61. He just played one game with the Mets. He pitched four innings in 2007. Got lit up like a Christmas tree. He had seven earned runs in four innings. So his Met career ERA is 15.75, but he did have a pretty long career. He pitched from 94 to 2001 with the Dodgers, four years with the Rangers, 2002 to 2005, then pitched with the Padres, Dodgers, Phillies, Yankees, and Pirates also. He signed with us in the offseason, leading up to the 2007 season, but was released June 3rd of that 2007 season. Now, unfortunately, we have to uh, commemorate the deaths of a few Mets. Uh, Jerry May passed away this year on this date. Uh, back in 1996, he was 53 years old. Played four games as a Met. He was a catcher. Uh, we got him from the Kansas City Royals, but he only played four games. And on this date, unfortunately, Jerry left us. Uh, also on this date, we lost... Jay Clevin on uh, in 2009 at the young, young age of 60. He was with us in 1976. Uh, he was a catcher, played two games, had five at-bats, one hit for the Mets. And also we mourn the death of this day on June 30th of Frank Cashin. Frank passed away. What a full life. He died at the age of 89. And uh, he was the COO of the Mets from 8088. 
uh, executive vice president from 80 to 88, and then the general manager from 80 to 91. So he had a big role in the Mets' rise in the 80s. And uh, he rebuilt the Mets from scratch. But then, unfortunately, he kind of dismantled the team after they won it all. Uh, Mets really could have been a force in baseball, but what are you going to do? But he had the ability to build the Mets, and we should all be thankful for that. He stockpiled young arms. He got Ron Darling, Walt Terrell, uh, El Cid. And all he had to give up for those three pitchers were... Uh, I'm sorry, he gave up Ron Darling for Walt Terrell. He got Hojo. How is this working now? He traded Weeman Zoe for Ron Darling and Walt Terrell and then parlayed Walt Terrell into the Hojo trade. There you go. I got to read my notes better next time. Then he traded Bob Baylor for El Cid, and they were all key players in the Mets' rise to prominence. Uh, and I, when he made that Kevin McReynolds deal, I said, oh, man, the Mets are going to be a dynasty. But unfortunately, it's not always what they do on paper. They got rid of some of the fiery players like Ray Knight, Kevin Mitchell, guys who would light a match under their butts, and then eventually Keith Hernandez and Carter uh, kind of faded and McReynolds and Jeffries became the face of the franchise and it just didn't work out. But he did build the greatest Met team of all time, the 1986 Mets, and we should all be thankful for that. Now who's ready to go back into the time machine? Can I see a raise of hands? Okay, a lot of you are. So let's go back to 2000. Big, big crowd at Chase Stadium. Big Huge, mega, uh, and we're playing the Atlanta Braves, and this was a hectic race, pennant race between the two teams right now, and a huge crowd, like I said, of 52,831 came out to Shea to see Bobby Valentine's second place Mets take on Bobby Cox's first place Atlanta Braves, 48-31. At this point in time, the Mets were just three games behind the Braves after having lost them the night before. At this point in time, the Mets' rivalry was at its peak. The Mets' Mike Hampton took them out against Kevin Millwood. Let me give you the Mets lineup. Melvin Moore leading off shortstop. Derek Bell batting second, right field. Edgar Alfonso batting third, second base. Mike Piazza batting fourth, catcher. Robin Ventura batting fifth, third base. Todd Zeal batting sixth, first base. Jay Payton batting seventh, center field. Benny Agbayani batting eighth, left field. Rick Reed batting ninth, pitching. Braves had a pretty good lineup, too. Do you know that Bobby Bow was in the Braves lineup that day? He was sixth in the lineup playing left field. Who remembers that? And Andres Galarraga playing first base. The big cat, El Gato, playing first base, batting cleanup. And, of course, the Jones brothers, I say that not literally, but uh, Jones in center field, Andrew Jones, one of the best defensive center fielders of all time, batting second and center. And Chipper Jones at third base, uh, batting third. Now, Hampton walked Javi Lopez with the bases loaded in the first inning for a 1-0 Braves lead. Then in the third, Lopez had his chance again. He, but he struck, out with a base, he struck again with a bases loaded single that brought in two runs while a Mike Piazza arrow out a third run to cross the plate. It was 4-0 Braves, and for a Friday night crowd, might have been a little bit disappointed this time. Now, Hampton gave up five runs through seven innings. In the eighth, short-time Mets reliever Eric Kamek Served up a three-run homer to Brian Jordan, making it 8-1. to one. Now, I bet some people are heading towards the seven line, uh, leaving the ballpark and catching the 
local because I know the Express didn't run until after the games. I'm not even sure if that was the case back then that they ran the Express after the game. You know, the Diamond Train. I'm sure they were taking the back, local back to Manhattan. In the eighth, bottom of the eighth, Don Wengert on the mound. Derek Bell and Mike Piazza both single. Where there's hope, there's dope, I like to say. And with one out, Robin Ventura ground out to second base for the second out, but Derek Bell scored. Then, check this out, an amazing two-out rally led the Mets, scoring nine more runs, which resulted in a club record at time, 10-run inning. Todd Zeal single to drive in Piazza with the third run. Next, Jay Payton single. Then Benny Ogbiani walked. Kelly Lichtenberg was the new Braves pitcher, and he walked Mark Johnson and Melvin Moore, both with the bases loaded, putting the score to 8-5. Bobby Cox then yanked Lichtenberg and brought in Terry Mulholland. He walked Derek Bell and was 8-6 game. Now the place was going bananas. It was jumping. Edgar Alfonso, Alfonso the Fonz man, brought in two more runs to tie the game. The crowd was stomping and on their feet as Mike Piazza came up to bat. Piazza blasted a three-run homer over the wall, bringing Shea Stadium to Bedlam as he capped off the record-setting inning with what turned out to be the winning runs. Now, Armando Benitez closed out the ninth and got credited with the win 2-3 two, two and three now, moving the Mets within two games of first place. The next night, Al Leiter improved to 10-1 as he combined with Turk Wendell on a six-hit, 9-1 Mets victory, bringing New York within a game of Atlanta. Way to go, Mets. I remember that game. I don't know if you guys do. It was a classic. Now, also on this date, Sandy Koufax was in fuego. He had 13 strikeouts and a Frank Howard home run. Helped him out as Koufax no-hit Bob Miller and the Mets 5-0 in L.A. Sandy started off the game by fanning the side on nine pitches in the first inning. The first National League pitcher to strike out the side on nine pitches since Brooklyn's Dazzy Vance in 1924. It will be the first of four career no-hitters thrown by Colfax. Now let's not forget 1979 on this date. The Mets scored six runs in the top 11 to break a 3-3 tie with the Cubs. Then the Cubs stormed back with five runs in the bottom of the frame, including ex-Met, now Cub, Mike Vale's grand slam. But the Met New York hung on to win the game 9-8. Also on this date in 2012, Johan Santana shot the Dodgers 5-0, allowing three hits over eight innings. This is the Dodgers' seventh consecutive loss. Ike Davis hits a three-run homer for the Mets. So a lot of stuff happened on this date in Met history, as always is the case. And we're here to cover it for you. Now, as always, we're going to talk about what's going on in the group. And by the way, if you're not a member of the New York Mets Baseball Way of Life Facebook group, please, please join. Uh, if you're a Mets fan, this is the place for you. We talk about a lot of good stuff every, every day, and we'd be glad to have you. And if you're not a subscriber to this podcast, please, by all means, do subscribe. You'll be alerted every time a new broadcast comes up. We do our best to pull one up every day, but sometimes life calls and I'm not able to. But more often than not, there will be one every day for you. And if you ever want to send me a comment, some of you have. Like I said, they've all been positive. For that, I appreciate, I appreciate, I appreciate it. Send it to philstan41 at gmail.com. Now, what's going on in the group? Well, we talked about Dom Smith's last season. 50 games he batted, 316, with a 616 slugging percentage for 993 OPS and a 1.8 war. 
Now, times have changed. Don Smith this year in 71 games has only been 243 with a fifth. 356 slugging percentage for a 671 OPS and a .2 war. We're going to need something more out of Dom, don't you think? And we just need something offensively from Albert Amora. He's now 3 for 39 this season. He has zero home runs and one walk to 15 strikeouts. Albert, we need you, buddy. We need you. And those are some of the things we'll discuss in the group. So, like I said, always feel free to contribute. Join and contribute. That's what I say. And you might even hear your name mentioned on this podcast. How about that? We'd be glad to hear from you. Well, that's going to do it for today's podcast. I want to thank you all for listening again. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow to talk about the big game tonight, Braves and Mets. Got a distance that lead over the Braves even further. What do you say? You're watching at home. The game's on SNY. 7.20 7.20 Eastern Standard Time. Daylight Time, I should say. Start. David Peterson against Max Free. Should be a good one. Hopefully we'll get to talk about a happy recap tomorrow. So once again, thanks for listening. Your support means everything. And hopefully you're being entertained by this. So let's go Mets and enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>